Um, time to share uh, a message with you. We had the, the privilege of having uh, our brother Kevin Carroll last week, and I was blessed by that uh, sermon that he gave. I'm sure you all were as well. And his sermon was simply about um, how are you? Uh, do you remember the, uh, the, the, the name of that sermon? And it simply uh, asked some interesting questions about how are you? Are you alive? Are you well? Or are you sick spiritually? Uh, and are you growing? Uh, so it, and it's sought to ask those questions and for us to answer those questions uh, with respect to ourselves and our spiritual life. Today, I'm looking at, at a related sort of topic. Uh, where are you? Okay. So today we're looking at where are you? And that's what, why we're reading this passage today. John chapter 14. And our brother Paul uh, read this whole passage. But we'll, we'll be reading from verses 1 to 7 this morning. And Jesus says here, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, uh, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus uh, saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Let's, uh, let's commit this time to the Lord and let's see what he has for us today. Father, we thank you once again for this precious time. We can look into your word and we ask that you would be teaching us directly, Lord. That your spirit be working within our hearts and within our minds to help us understand your truth. And the grace, that you would give us the grace we need to live it. And for those seeds to be planted and bear fruit for you. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you that we have it within our hands and we can trust every word within it. And we ask, Lord, that we would continue to seek it in our lives, Lord, that we might grow and bear fruit. Bless us now by your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Most of you know that I've been involved in the cleaning industry uh, for quite a long time now. Uh, essentially, as soon as I finished uni, I went straight into the cleaning business. Um, and I've worked in the same business for a long time. And my, a friend of mine owns the actual uh, business. And it's an Australia-wide business. And we built it up over uh, a, good, a good part of 20-plus years, um, starting from his garage. Uh, it's now a national business. And, uh, and I've, I've been blessed to be part of that. Back in 2008, uh, while we were trying to expand interstate, uh, for those of you who've ever done any, done any work like that, we, there's a lot, a lot of flying that was involved. Uh, you know, when you first start out uh, flying uh, as a business person, as a sales person, uh, it's all very exciting to get up at five o'clock in the morning and to um, and to go on those early morning flights. There, everyone with their you know with their, their briefcases or whatever, dressed up to the hill. Um, but after you've done that for a few years and you're sleeping in hotels and things of that nature, it doesn't stay as appealing as it when it first started. But anyway, um, in 2008, uh, when I was working for this business and we were trying to expand uh, all around Australia, we had an amazing opportunity that landed in our lap. And it was 
a tender for all of the Spotlight stores in Australia. So those of you who know Spotlight, okay, this is a haberdashery store. Um, we had the opportunity to tender for this business all around Australia. They had about 100 stores all around Australia. So that was a huge, absolutely huge opportunity for us. But in order for us to actually, for the tender to be accepted uh, by, this, by the company, uh, the prerequisite was we had to visit every store physically. <laughs> so, what do you do? You say, yes, of course. And then you work out the logistics later on. So we had to physically visit every store. Um, so we took up the challenge, and, and we had no one in Queensland at that stage who could do this particular work for us. So the owner and myself decided to take that flight, fly up to Queensland, and you know we went to Brisbane and stayed in Brisbane. We said we're going to visit every store in Queensland, just the two of us together. So we we uh, hired a, a car which they, uh, they, they very graciously upgraded for. You know when you go for a hire car and they give you, they give you the upgrade, isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. When you start off with a small car thinking we're gonna be stuck in that car for the next, you know, for the next uh, week and a half or two weeks, then they give you a nice, they gave us a, a Mitsubishi Outlander, I'm not sure if you ever drew one of those, but it's a four-wheel drive, right? Yeah. Anyway, not the, not the biggest four-wheel drive, but it was a four-wheel drive nonetheless. And they made us sign a waiver that said we would not take it off-road. Right? So they said, you're not allowed to take this car off road. So we're giving it to you as an upgrade, but it's not to take, you know, bush driving and, you know, up and down hills. So we said, okay, we've got no intention. We just want to just drive around and visit these stores. Anyway, one of the last stores we had to visit was in Mackay. Now, for those of you who know where Mackay is, it took them the last 10 hours up from Brisbane, okay? And we started from Rockhampton. So we went from Brisbane, we went to Rockhampton, visit that store there. And then we took off from Rockhampton and then started our journey up to Mackay. And there was some point, there was some turn that we took, part of that journey, that wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Okay? Either a road was blocked and we had to take a detour, or we took a wrong turn. We don't know. But at one particular point, um, the GPS that was in the actual car was telling us we had to take an alternative route. So we thought, oh, okay, we'll take an alternative route. It looked a little windy, to be honest with you, but it, it was direct. It was like, you know, like those roads that go like that, but it was direct. It wasn't like, you know, going all around. It was just going straight. So we thought, okay, we might as well proceed. As we proceeded, um, the road got bumpier and bumpier. You know, we, what, what started off as beautiful, smooth bitumen, you know, the really good quality type, not the rough type. It went from that, it went to rough, and then it went to bumpy. So it hadn't been sort of you know looked after for a while, and then that gave way to gravel. Now when it, when we hit the gravel, we're about well more than halfway into our trip. So what do you do? You're not going to turn all the way back. Then we thought, well, we haven't got that long to go. We'll continue along this. Uh, we'll continue on the road, and we'll and we'll you know we should be fine. Anyway, the road gets bumpier and bumpier, and we didn't see any civilization around us at all. It was like literally being in the middle of the bush, okay? And we're driving around and we, and ever seen those cars, I think in America they've got them, where they, they, they fix up the front suspension and they make the car bounce up and down like that? <laughs> ever seen those? They do it on purpose, huh? Well, that's what our car was doing at this particular time, okay? And we thought, hmm, okay. So 
We kept on driving, we're on gravel, it turned to dirt, and then at one particular point, and the GPS was saying, we're still going the right direction, so we, we were still decided to keep on going. We hit a gate. A gate. And when you hit a gate on a road that, that's covering the entire road, there's, there's something quite wrong with that. You know, that we thought, all right, what have we done here? There was like a cattle gate that went spanned all across the road. And it was dirt track. There were trees all around us. But there was definitely a road. And so we looked at us, looked at each other and we thought, what do we do now? Well, what do you do? You open the gate and you go through. <laughs> so my boss, because I wasn't the owner of the business, he made me get out. <laughs> and he made me open up this big gate so he could drive nicely through. Um, there was mud everywhere. My, my shoes were covered with mud by the time I got back in the car. He was having a good laugh at me while that was going on. And so we opened the gate, we closed the gate, because we didn't let the cows out. We didn't see any cows anywhere, but we thought we'd better close the gate, otherwise the cows are going to, you know, go loose. Um, and there must have been a lot of rain in that area beforehand, because there was water everywhere. And as, we, as we're driving along, <laughs> we get to a point where, you know, there's, there was puddle in the road. And puddle's probably the wrong word for it, because it gives you the impression you can jump over it. No, no, this was a puddle that was about here to pour, right? And all you see is the water. And you don't know how deep it is. You don't know what you're doing, but hey, it's a road. So what do we do? We can't turn back now, because we were three, more than three quarters of the way there. And so we, we said, all right, we looked at each other, and we said, all right, let's do it. But anyway. So my boss put the foot down on the accelerator um, and the front of the car disappeared. As the car went forward, it dropped like this and both of us hit our heads on the roof. That's how, that's how far it actually went down. Um, and as, it, as we bounced off the, the roof, the car went into the water like this and a massive wave Right, of mud and water and leaves and everything went all over the car. And when she went all over, we saw, we saw this massive mud slide go all over the car. We thought, oh, here we go. And we managed to come out the other end. The car was completely covered. Right? And at the same time, we must have hit a massive rock at the bottom of the car. So we just heard a big... And on my, I could hear my boss go, oh, that hurts. <laughs> and I couldn't respond. I couldn't respond to him because I was laughing so hard. I was crying. Thinking that what we got ourselves into over here. And I'm thinking, I know what he's thinking. He's excess yeah. <laughs> on the car because he wasn't meant to take it off road. It was about $2,000, right? And I'm looking at him, my, my feet are full of mud, and he, I'm looking at him, laughing at him, while, while, he's, uh, while we're going on, and then after about, we kept on going, and then it's, it was almost like we got to a point where everything just opened up, and we reached our destination. It was like really funny, like it just came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden we saw the spotlight store in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was just a, 
the most surreal experience I've ever had in my life. Anyway, we um, we got out of the car and we walked in, we walked up to the um, walked up to the front door and the manager looked at us and looked at the car, which looked as if we had just been through the Sahara, the, just some sort of a jungle. Okay, and I I had mud all up my pants on my thing, and we were there to do a very important quotation for the tender. And anyway, they had a good laugh at us after we explained our, uh, our thing to them. And, uh, and it was one of those experiences in life where you, you never forget. Yeah. Yeah? And you, you laugh about it, but in the middle of that, you're thinking, where are we going here? So thankfully, we arrived at our destination, and the Lord was watching us, watching over us all of that time. What about um, the exit? Sorry? What about the exit? Well, you know, it was funny. <laughs> we had, as soon as we finished that meeting, we, we took the, the, the car to a car wash. It took us almost an hour to pressure wash all that junk, junk off. But we took a massive branch that was lodged from underneath. <laughs> we took this, my, my boss pulled out this, this branch that had just, I don't know how it got stuck under there anyway. But we dropped the car off. And no one said anything. So we didn't say anything either. <laughs> so they, they checked the car over. They looked at it. Not one scratch on the car. So, hey, um, not sure what had happened underneath, but it was, it was all right by the looks of it. Um, yeah, we didn't win that contract, by the way. Um, after all that. We learned a lot. So why am I telling you all that? I'm telling you all that because um, how do you know you're heading in the right direction in life? Sometimes you, the road ahead looks daunting. Sometimes the road ahead looks like strange or weird and you've never been there before and you think to yourself, do I go forward or do I go back? Do I try and detour uh, off this particular thing over here or, or am I in safe territory over here? Am I going in the right direction? I think a lot of people in life ask themselves that about themselves and their own lives. Um, and that's in the world, that's generally in the world. Am I going the right direction? Do I have the, am I doing the right job? Am I, am I doing, making the right choices in life? Am I, you know, um, am I doing the right thing? And I think Christians um, should ask themselves that question even more so. Because for us, it's not just about, you know, have I bought the house in the right place? Am I driving the right car? Have I invested my money in the right, you know, in the right place? Am I, Am I in the right job? Am I working hard enough? Am I, you know, all those sort of questions everyone else asks. But our, our primary questions should be really focused on our spiritual walk. What is my spiritual life like? Am I going in the right direction? Am I in a place where God wants me to be today? Or have I strayed from a path that he has set out for me? Am I far from where I'm supposed to be? And, and how do I get back there? And what I'd like for us to look today is how do we, how do we find out those things? Um, in our case, driving around in that car, um, we had a GPS that was always telling us, this is where you are. This is the direction you're heading in. in. So even though we were <laughs> going through jungle and bush, we knew we were going in the right direction, but I think a lot of people in life aren't sure. Because if you're, if, if you're, you know, 10 degrees off course, you know, after about 
one or two years, that 10 degrees can mean a huge distance between where you're supposed to be and where you actually are. So I'd like for us to look at how do we find our way in this world? How do we navigate the stormy seas um, and what seems to be an endless darkness that's around us? When things are dark, it's very hard to find your way around sometimes. And so I'd like for us to focus on that today. Like I said, our brother Kevin gave us a wonderful message last week about how are you. And today I want to ask, where are you? Are you heading in the right direction? What is your destination? Do you know what your destination is? And the goal of this sermon is to help you understand that you and I, as believers, are on a journey. Um, and it's important that we are guided by the right things rather than the wrong things. And it all, it all begins at your starting point, doesn't it? Your journey always has a starting point. And knowing your starting point, knowing where you actually are, is important. Is very important to working out where you want to get to. Does that make sense to everyone? If you don't even know where you are now, how can you possibly work out the path to get to where you want to get to? And I think, um, unfortunately, much of the world, the Bible says, is lost spiritually. It's completely lost. They don't know where they are spiritually. They don't know where they are because they don't have a point of reference. So, if you don't know where you are spiritually, you can't possibly determine how to get to a particular destination, even though you may decide you'd like to be there. You know, you can speculate where you are, and most of the world does this. They speculate where they are in comparison to other people. Okay, so I know where I am in terms of my position to Don and to Alan. So I know that these guys are in front of me and I know Don's more to my right, Alan's are slightly to my left, and I know they're just a few metres away. Does that make sense? The problem is with the world is that if I'm lost and I'm trying to determine my position according to someone else, what happens if they're lost too? What good does that actual what does good does that do you? Because if I'm lost, they're lost, and the next person is lost as well, you're only determining your lostness in comparison to each other. Which actually doesn't help at all. And that's the position most of the world is in. Most of the world, without a fixed point of reference, are only saying, well, I'm like this compared to someone else, and I'm here compared to that person over there, and I'm here compared to that person over there, and I'm pointing in this direction because that person is pointing in that direction. So you only know where you are in comparison to other people that are lost, which is a pointless exercise. Without God, it's impossible to determine where you are because you need a fixed point of reference in your life. And in contrast to this, if you look at the GPS that we were using on that day when we were in the middle of Mackay, um, the GPS was on a fixed location above us. It knew where we were in comparison to itself, which was locked in, okay? And so it was able to tell us our precise location because it triangulated where we were. And this is the same way when it comes to knowing where you are spiritually. 
You see, the fixed point of reference is God. He is the immovable object. He is the one who is everything else needs to be measured in relation to. Because he is the only immovable thing. He is the only fixed object. And everything in life needs to be measured in relation to where he is and who he is. And how do we know and how do we measure where we are uh, in relation to God? Well, you know what? He's given us a book. And the book (coughs) explains your position with respect to him. And that is important for us to understand where we are in life. And the Bible tells us that all men by nature are lost. All men are lost. And the course of their life, they're not just lost. The direction they're heading in, and they all seem to be going in the same direction, (coughs) is a cliff, is a spiritual cliff that actually falls into an abyss. And they can't see the end from where they are. They can't see that particular place from where they are. But that abyss is called hell. And men happily travel along together with respect to each other because, hey, I'm lost. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going in this direction. Why are you going in that direction? Oh, because the other guy's going in that direction. Why is he going in that direction? Oh, because the other guy's going in that direction. Oh, we're all going in this direction. Okay, let's just go. But at the end... They find out that they've been going in the wrong direction the whole time. And Romans 3.10 to 12 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one. No one makes it out alive here. No one reaches the destination. No one gets to God. Okay? Because they don't know the direction. They are lost. And the only thing we can do is compare ourselves to other people. It says in verse 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. And verse 12 says, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So Christian, if you ever, ever, get the inkling or the idea in your mind that you are somehow better than anyone else in the world, think again. Because none of us ever, ever deserve to even be saved, deserve to receive that gift, or somehow more um, worthy than other people. Notice in verse 12 of Romans chapter 3, it says... Or verse 11, that none, no one seeking after God, that they are all gone out of the way. You know that all gone out of the way, what that means? They're all lost. They've all gone out of the, the right way. They've all gone a different way. All men are lost and not even looking for God. Now that's the bad news for people. Because the road that people are on naturally leads to death. But there's good news, according to the Bible. God sent his son to save us from our dilemma. And, and uh, Brother Kevin uh, did a wonderful job explaining that last week when he, when he described Jesus like a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. And he'll come out and he swam out. We were drowning in spiritual, in, in, in spiritual sin. And 
he came and rescued us and is now bringing us back to shore, which is home or heaven. Nothing we can do. We can't help him swim. We can't do anything that aids him. He's the one who does the saving. And the good news is that God didn't forget about us. God could have thrown us all into hell. God could have left us to go our own way. But he didn't. He came looking for us, which is an amazing thing. We were lost and he came looking for us. Turn to Matthew chapter 18 verse 11 with me. This is the type of God that we believe in, or that we've put our trust in. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. And Jesus describes himself, in this passage he calls himself the Son of Man, which is an endearing term. And I think he, he does that to, to show people that he, he is the Son of God, but he allowed himself to be born a human. Matthew 18, 11 says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost, which was us. How think you, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them go, has gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which has gone astray? Now Jesus came to seek and to save we who were lost. And even if it was just you, even if you were the only one, he would have still done it for you. That's the type of God that we worship. The type of God that cares for every individual. That's the amazing grace that this God has and the love and the mercy that he's shown. But Jesus didn't just come to be the rescuer. No, no, he actually came to be the path of rescue as well. Turn to John chapter 14 verse 6 with me. Because when um, Thomas struggled to understand what Jesus was speaking about in, in our passage in John, um, Jesus made it something very, very clear. He summarised who he was in this, one, in this one verse. In verse 6 he says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. So, so Thomas said, we don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. What are you saying? We don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, so how can we know? So Thomas says, "How do we know the way if we don't even know where you're going?" And Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me." The journey of life begins with Jesus. The journey begins with Him. If you want life, if you want to get off that the road that leads to destruction, then you got to take. You have to take a detour off that road. And the journey is Jesus and begins with Jesus. And every journey begins when you take that first step on that starting point. And that gate, just like I opened up that gate for my boss, and we had to open up the gate and go through it, the Bible says that Jesus is the gate. He is a door that you choose to go through. To begin that journey. And repentance is recognizing that the road you're on is leading you to destruction along with everyone else. And repentance is actually simply saying to God, 
God, I actually, I believe what you say. I'm now going to take that road over there and I'm going to go through that door. And the door is Jesus. If you haven't stepped off the road, if you haven't stepped off that, that road that all the world is, uh, is on, then I would encourage you to do that as quickly as possible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Because there is one gate, the Bible says, that leads to salvation. If you want to stop being lost, then you need to enter through this one gate. There aren't a multiplicity of gates. There is a very common and popular teaching in our culture that, you know, that all roads lead to Rome scenario. And all the gods, you know, out there, they're all teaching all the same things. So it doesn't matter which one, which one you choose. It's, as long as you try and be a good person, that will eventually all get us to the same place. Now that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there is one gate, one way, which makes it difficult for us, to be honest with you. For those of us who have chosen that way, to tell other people that this is the only way can make us sound very arrogant. You know what I'm talking about. They've chosen a way, and we've chosen the, what the Bible says is the way. Where Jesus says, I am the way, not a way. He says the way, the only way to the Father. And we come along and we say, oh, no, no, Jesus is the only way. My way is the only way. Sometimes that makes us sound arrogant. But the truth is the truth. And we can't compromise the truth. Because if we compromise the truth, then it puts them in danger. If we don't warn them that the, the path they're on leads to destruction, then we just are happy to see them go into an eternal destination away from God. And that can't be right. So as meekly as you can, share the truth. Understanding that by the grace of God, we are what we are and we have what we have. And he has saved us, not because of anything good that's in us. And it's our job to share that with other people. So Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Now the, the, the word straight here is narrow, the word for narrow. Okay, We don't use the word straight too often, but if you've heard of a straight jacket, right? you'll understand that that's narrow. Okay? It's tight. Fitting. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Enter ye at the narrow or the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there'd be that find it. Now notice it does not say that oh, there are many people who go through the narrow gate and then turn back or leave the narrow way. It doesn't actually say that. The problem that people have is finding the narrow gate because they're so fixated on everyone going in this direction that narrow gate can easily be missed. And even if they see the narrow gate, hey, no one's going in that narrow gate. Why would I go there? The narrow way 
The narrow gate that leads to the narrow way doesn't mean the narrow way is hard. What it's actually saying there is, ever heard of the beaten track? Yes. Okay. The reason that the reason that there's a wide gate and a wide way is there are so many people that are travelling on that way that that road is worn out. And in the olden days, they didn't put bitumen on, on roads, right? The road that you took was the road that was the most travelled and the widest roads were the ones where most people went down. And why were they roads? Because people continually walked up and down and wore it down. And the smaller pathways were where only few people went up and down. And they're the ones that Jesus is saying, or that's the one that Jesus is saying, is the road that leads to life. It's narrow because there aren't many people that travel that road and, and wear it down. The other road has a massively wide gate and it's wide because there are so many people who are wearing it down. The sad truth is that the majority of people in this world are more than happy to stay lost. And you might say, well, that's not right. Well, the reality is they're happy to stay lost because they're with everyone else. And they feel more comfortable being along the road with everyone else rather than saying, um, is this really the right road to be on? So they would rather not even question where they're at. Because questioning where you're at may mean I have to turn off this road. And not being together with everyone else might be a scary thing to think about. Salvation is and has always been in the Bible, and don't let anyone ever tell you differently, salvation has always been from the beginning to the end by grace through faith. And that faith is simply trusting in God to save you. Even before Jesus came, it was salvation came by grace through faith. God gave you something you still didn't deserve, but because you trusted in Him, and the people who, who were in the Old Testament, they trusted that God would send the Saviour. They trusted in God and they followed His commands because they, they, it was a personal choice they'd made. And salvation is always a personal choice to choose God over this world and step off that beaten track and go through that gate that He has set there for us. And Jesus... He's the God of the universe. When he says to, when he says to um, his disciples, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And you know him now, because I've been with you all this time. Jesus is the God of the universe who made himself the doorway between heaven and earth. He made himself, he is the portal between heaven and earth, and he is both from heaven and and from earth. He is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And He became the doorway between those two worlds, or those two existences. Without that door, mankind will be lost forever and could never return to the one who created them, the one who loves them. There'd be no pathway back. And that's the very reason that he sent his only begotten son into the world. So in John chapter 10 verse 7, 
Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus says, literally, he is the door. And his sheep can go through that door and find life. Jesus is not only the way, the path, he is the door, the beginning of the journey. The door to life. And if you are lost today, then choosing to repent, which means changing your life direction and receiving Jesus means you step through that door and have entered into the path that leads to life. And you know what is a good thing about that, that narrow path? There are no doors that lead off that path that lead to destruction ever again. That path has a secure destination. And it's not you that determines and, and secures your way to get there. But he does. As soon as you enter onto that road, your old life is gone. There's a new you. And he guarantees that you will get to where your hope is. So this is what Jesus starts with. Don't be worried. Don't be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. That's the starting point. If you, believe, if you say you believe in God, Jesus says, believe in me the same way. Trust in me the same way. Because I am the full manifestation of God in this world. I have come to rescue you. I have come, I have made myself the door for you. I am the way back to God. Every person has a choice to make with respect to that. You can stay on the wide road that you're on, along with everyone else, and never question, never want to know if there is a different way. But as you're listening to the sound of my voice today, you now know that there's another door. And for you to be saved, you need to step through the door. You need to make the choice. And if you haven't made the choice today, it's your responsibility. You have the freedom to choose that door or to not choose that door. God's not going to twist your arm to do it. God is a perfect gentleman, I've always said. He'll knock, but he doesn't ever kick the door in. It's up to you to open the door. So in John, going back to John chapter 14 verse 2 with me. And so Jesus is the starting point of the journey. You need to know where you are. If, if you're not saved, then you're a sinner and you're lost and you need to be saved. If you have chosen to step through that door, that gate, which is Jesus himself, and, and have started that journey on that narrow road, then you are on your way to heaven. Which brings us to the next point. Any journey needs not only to know where you're starting, but where you want to end up. You know, your, your GPS would be pretty useless if you didn't know the end point. How would you use it? You couldn't. be useless. If you don't know where you want to go, then no point using the GPS, no point looking up a malway, because you need to know where you want to go. And this is what he speaks about here in verse 2. 
Where are you going? Where is your destination? In verse 2 it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place to you, for you. That's the destination, he's saying for them. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Of course we understand what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about heaven here. And so the question seems obvious to us because we know that Jesus is in heaven now and preparing a place for us, right? That makes too much sense. But think about the apostles. Jesus hadn't gone to heaven. Jesus hadn't been uh, crucified. He hadn't been betrayed. He hadn't been tried. He hadn't, been, uh, hadn't risen again yet. So when he says, I am going to my Father to prepare a place for you there, Thomas is saying, what are you talking about? I'm not quite sure what you're talking about, Jesus, here. Where are, you, where are you going? How can I know the way to get there if I don't even know where you're actually going? The question is, is sound, if you think of it. On the face of it, how can you know the path to get somewhere if you don't know your destination? And the, the truth of the matter is that almost all people in the world don't know their destination. Have you heard people say, well, no one knows what's on the other side? So even people who, who believe in a God all say the same thing. One, I don't know if I'm getting there because I've got to be measured. I don't know how. Or do you know how, what, what it takes for you to get there? No, I don't know. I've got to try and be as good as I can. Well, do you know you're going to get there? No. Okay, you don't know if you're going to get there despite how hard you try. Yes, I can't say. Okay, do you know where you're going? I don't exactly know. I've heard some things about it. But no one knows what's on the other side, right? Yes, there is someone who knows what's on the other side. And he went there for us. And he came back for us. And he's the one who created the other side in the first place. But unless you know your destination, how do you know how to get there? Where do you know what you're going to? You have to choose your destination. In this case, the destination is being home with God. That's our destination. What is Jesus talking about? Making a home for you. I want you to be at home with me and my Father. The destination is home. What's your destination? Do you know it? Are you certain of it? Because it's not us that carries us to the destination. It's just like you get a ticket for a train. You don't actually shovel coal into the train and, and make sure the train gets to the destination. Once you've bought your ticket, you take your seat on the train and the train brings you the rest of the way home. Well, congratulations if you've chosen Jesus. Because he's the train. He gets you there. All you've got to do is just step on. And then step off when you when you get to where the ticket has been has paid for, and he paid the ticket as well. That's the amazing God that we that we believe in. Have you chosen your destination? Have you chosen to trust your eternal destiny to God because you want to be with Him forever? This isn't, guys. This is not about wanting to to be in a place where the, the streets are made of gold 
and I've got a massive mansion and I'm going to be doing all... It's not about that. It's simply about being home with the one who loves us. That's where I want to spend the rest of my, my eternity. Amen. Not with people that don't know me, don't care about me. You can be the richest person in the world, but why would I want to be a place where I'm not with the people that love me? And that's what being in heaven or wanting to be in heaven is all about. You're with the one who loves you and he proved it because he gave his life for you and me. So choose life. Choose God and live. Choose to go through that narrow gate and, and start walking that path. And he'll be with you every step of the way. Jesus, the Bible says, is our shepherd. He leads us all along that way. Once you are on that particular road, once you are in him. I just want to share some principles with you about navigation that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, in the old days when you were uh, uh, in a ship, they relied, and they relied on certain things in order to get them from one place to the other. Okay? And one of the oldest methods that sailors, when you were in the middle of the ocean with no point of reference around you, and you were maybe at night when everything's dark, they looked to a star. Okay? And the, the polar star, or the north star, was their guiding point. Because, I don't know if you've noticed, but the stars actually move in the sky over time, okay, over a course of a night. So if you're trying to track your position by another star, it's going to move. And so you may start off going over there, but then over the course of the night, you're going to be going in a different direction. The polar star, if you're in the northern hemisphere, <coughs> is a star that's right smack bang in the middle. It doesn't move. All the stars revolve around that star. And so when you sit, if you're in a ship in the darkness and you're not sure whether the ship's going in the right direction or, or veering away, you look at that, you find that star and you can, you can steer your ship in that direction and you know you're going north. Or you can go the other way. But that's the fixed point, right? And so one of the oldest methods is using a star. And there's a story in the Bible about a star guiding certain people and uh, we hear about it at Christmas time uh, very often it's a story about the wise men and these men were said to have traveled from the east which means they traveled west did they know the goal of their destination did they know who they were going to see <coughs> they did they knew the goal who they were trying to reach did they know exactly where they were going? Well, no. But did they know that they were heading for a particular place that, that was guaranteed by that particular star that they were following? The answer is yes. And they knew it because they were geared up for a long journey. They had gifts with them. So they knew they were going to reach their destination to give those gifts. And I want to, I want to share something with you. Turn, turn to Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 with me. Because even though they may not have been familiar with the way, they knew the direction that they were heading because they were being led there. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, 
of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. You know, when you, when you first go in a particular direction, if you're trying to get to a destination, you normally take the major roads first, right? You're not taking side streets first. The side streets come at the end, right, to get to your specific destination. So normally, you know you're going in the right direct, the general right direction. And these, these guys knew they were going in the right direction. They didn't know exactly where they were heading, but they knew that this is the direction they had to go. They had to go west to get to it, because the star was pointing in that direction. They didn't know exactly where it was going, but they knew they had to head west. Did they know all the way? No. They only knew the general direction that they had to go. The Lord was leading them. They had to trust this star was leading them in the right direction. And in this case, God provided this star for them specifically. And the star led them first to Jerusalem and then from there led them specifically to a house. It's a funny star, isn't it? Have a look at verse 9 in Matthew chapter 2. It says, When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. That's a funny type of star. They didn't know the exact location when they were heading when they when they first headed out, but they knew the exact location because the star brought them exactly to where they had to go. And walking with the Lord in life is a bit like that. You may not know exactly where you're heading to, but if you follow the direction that God's leading you, you will get to your destination. Because when you're close to it, God will give you the exact location. And sometimes we don't know the exact location in life until the very last minute. But it's trusting God. When you're following Him in your life, when you don't know what's coming tomorrow, and these wise men didn't know exactly what was coming, but they trusted God and they followed Him all the way. And that's a lesson for us there. We may not know the exact location where God wants us in a week, a month, a year, five years or whatever. But if you follow him in the direction he's leading you, he will get you to your destination every time. Um, just as a side note, if you've ever watched documentaries about the star that led the wise men being a planet or the conjunction of planets or a comet or something like that. It's not any of those. There's no alignment of planets that's going to sit on top of someone's house and show you exactly which house. You try it. Next time they tell you all the Mars is lining up with Saturn or whatever it is or how many planets, you can line them all up. They are never going to point exactly to a house. So don't ever, don't get too caught up with all the different theories they've got about this particular star because this star standing and it says it stood over where the child was sounds a bit like an angel to me to be honest with you okay. but a star as a navigational device 
is only good when there's no clouds. Right? So if you're in the middle of the ocean and it's dark and there's clouds, you can't see the star, you can't actually work out where you are. So later on, when people discovered magnets and that if you hung a magnet on a piece of string, it actually pointed in the same direction all the time, pointed north and south, um, they started using those. And compasses became more and more um, obligatory on, on ships. They became more and more sophisticated in the way they actually worked. And did you know something interesting about magnets? Did you know you can take a normal piece of steel, which is not magnetic at all, and by rubbing that piece of steel with a magnet in the same direction, you will magnetise the piece of steel. And that piece of steel then can become a, a compass as well. And for me, that, that compass is like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always pointing us in the right direction. He's always telling us and pointing us to Christ. He points to righteousness. He points us to the Word of God. He's continually leading us in God's way. You know, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit throughout his entire ministry. Remember? As soon as he came back out of the water after being baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God, if you are born again, then the Bible says God's put His Holy Spirit within you. And you know what? That magnet that gets rubbed and that, that useless piece of steel then becomes something that aligns always north and south, we become like that. Why? Because He's the compass. And once He's in us, we become like little compasses as well. Who are we pointing to? Always to Christ. Always north. That's our life. Once God has magnetized us with His Holy Spirit, we naturally point in that direction. And so the Galatians 5.16, so God gives us His Spirit as our guide, as that compass, as the one that leads us in always the right direction. If you have Christ, you have His Holy Spirit. That's why Galatians 5.16 says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, uh, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to direct our steps. And the Word of God acts like a map for us. So God has not only given us a compass with the Holy Spirit, the author of that book is the one showing us See this map? You need to turn right here now. This is where you need to turn left. This is where you need to be careful. There's a pothole on the road. Avoid that one over there. That's how the, 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 the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to teach us. And that's why the Bible says that the Word, of, the word Thy Word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my palm. So how do you find your way? You find your way by following the Saviour. You find your way by, first of all, heading to that door. Know where you are. Head into that door, through that gate. Get on that path. He will guarantee you your direction home and your destination home. He will be with you every step of the way. He leads us as a shepherd. He gives his Holy Spirit to guide us and always point us in the right direction. And he gives us his word as the perfect map that we need. Do we need more than that? No. You know what else he gives you? He gives you markers. He gives you signposts along the way. 
and that's other people in your life. It might be someone like me who's sharing the word of God with you. It may be a brother or sister that shares the word of God with you. It might be other people that are pointing to Jesus. You know, when you might have, you might be a little bit off track when you have a brother or sister that says, here, here, come, that's the direction we have to go. Come on, let's go. God gives us markers along the way. That's why you have, that's why church is so important. And that's why Jesus says, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. To know Jesus, to know life. He is the beginning of the journey. He is the journey. He is the destination. And if you have him, you have everything you need. Because he's giving you everything you need to travel along his path.